Scuba Obsessed, the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear to places to dive and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed, episode 371, is recorded live June 14th, 2018. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson coming to you from the beautiful side of the southwest part of the great state of Michigan. Joining me this week, we have Mac the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? Mac, did I lose you? I'm back. You're <laughs> back? Glad to be here now that I've got the button pushed, right? <laughs> yeah, push the button. As long as it's not the self-eject, the self-eject or self-destruct, you're, you're pretty much okay. Yeah, I had a muted because I was... A couple of those, uh, I already had them preloaded. All uh-huh. of a sudden, they cut on. Three of them cut on with uh, commercials. <laughs> and I'm here, oh, no. So I turned that off so I can get this off. <laughs> and then I'm talking to you, and I'm like, duh, it's blinking, dummy. That means it's not on. <laughs> all right. Yeah, anyway, the, glad to be here. The, the magic of technology, we you know, we edit all that stuff out. Actually, I do. Yeah. You know, a little behind the scenes, I do run a, a silence filter through there, so it does truncate some of that silence. I'd like to thank everybody's in the chat room. I'm kind of surprised how many people we have, considering that we are prime in the diving season. But we have uh, Derek and Eric and Karen have all joined us in the chat room, and they're and I think chat room sometimes better than the show. Uh, Derek had some great photos from a dive he had done. So if you're not hitting us live and watching in uh, watching in the chat room, yeah, watch the audio, uh, watch the chat actually, uh, then you're missing out. So we do record live on Thursday evenings, most Thursdays, at 9.30-ish. So give or take five or ten minutes, and you can join us in the chat room. But let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. First article that we have up is Scuba Divers Help with Sunken Wreck Cleanup. This one's out of Bay County, Florida. Divers from Gulf World and Divers Den met at Captain Anderson's Marina Friday head out in the Gulf of Mexico. We're going to find a couple of shipwrecks and going to do a wreck cleanup, Brian Robinson, store manager at Divers Den, said. The first wreck in the group took on was the sunken tugboat, but to get to it, they had to go through St. Andrew's Pass and into open water. Divers dove in the Gulf once they reached the sunken boat about six miles from the marina. Divers submerged about 70 feet underwater to look for trash and debris at the wreck. Items they normally find are beer bottles, cameras, sunglasses, and wallets. Trash-wise, it's typically plastics that bring people out that are holding their snacks and their drinks and either they're a little bit careless and they leave them on the boat or it blows out in the Gulf, Robinson explained. Or unfortunately, some people have chosen to throw the stuff overboard. Friday, the group didn't find much trash. Officials with Divers Den said it's likely because they frequent these wrecks and clean them up whenever they're able to do so. Majority of the shipwrecks were cleaned up by prior divers, but we did find loose fishing line, Robinson said. We found some debris like parts of equipment that people have uh, had cameras break and different diving items and pieces are left on the shipwreck. Officials of Divers Den tell us marine animals like sea turtles and dolphins can be harmed from getting entangled in swallowing plastic items. I don't I don't think we've done too many intentional cleanups on a shipwreck. In fact, I don't remember any. Uh, typically, if we're on a wreck and we see some garbage, we'll pick it up. But other than the golf ball, fishing lures, fishing lines, 
like they, they said wallets and bags. I don't think I've uh, seen any. Not on any of the wrecks we've been on. I mean, I think we've got the one that's got the bowling ball. Lord knows where that came from. Uh, but from the side note, uh, the guys have been diving the Ann Arbor Iron Tides, and one of the purposes was to not only put the buoy on them, which they have done, uh, but to clean them up. There's tons of fishing line on it, mm-hmm. net, and connecting line that people have put on it to find, you know, go point A to B, but they're all squirreled up now. Yeah. So they have, in fact, been cleaning a lot of the wreck and the junk that's around it. Yeah. yeah the, uh, some, some, some of the stuff that we as divers put on there, the, the lines, you, you get a storm or something blows through there or somebody gets caught in it. Uh, sometimes I think it's a subsurface buoy. You know, those will sometimes lose their buoyancy and then they'll go bounce around the wreck and tangle some lines up. Yeah, again, the newer ones are off the wrecks. And then you have a, a line from the buoy, the buoy line or the anchor line, over to the wreck to help avoid some of that. Uh, but the major item they were finding were also, you know, fishing lines, things like this. And uh, if you go back to some of the Facebook posts, a couple of people have mentioned, and by the way, if you go there, look for my weight bag. It's about 30 feet left of the <laughs> anchor. When they were putting it in, a few people lost some weight that when you're down deep, you don't care. Coming back up, you'd like to have it back for the next dive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, weights, wait, they'll occasionally drop uh, the occasional fin. Um, i trying to think of what if what I've lost on a wreck. GoPros, that is not unusual. Yeah. Or I, somebody get back up and lose a fin or a mask. Yep, yeah, yeah, that can happen. Seems like I, oh, we, oh, an anchor. We've lost an anchor. I remember uh, uh, we maybe talk, we've talked on the show, I can't remember how many years ago, but Jim Kleeman and I were on the Ironsides, and uh, – you know, he, he was, he was on, we, we had Jim's boat out there and then, uh, Kurt and Bob were out in their boat and, uh, you know, the, the wreck's about 120 feet of water and he was putting a mushroom anchor on and as, as he's putting the line out, he's trying to think of uh, some way of harassing Kurt. And, uh, just as he went to say something, he caught out of the corner of his eye, the end of the line going through his fingers. Uh, he only had a hundred feet of line on the, on the anchor. So. Oops. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't quite enough. So somebody. I'm I'm assuming by now has uh, found that because they were, you know, we were probably 30 feet off, 30 or 40 feet off the wreck. When we were down, we didn't see it, but I'm sure as the wind comes around, it probably blew that line or the water. Well, remember, Cleman, uh, actually, I was on uh, the Muskegon dive with us. I think I came back with two anchors and he had a tackle box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you meant, yeah, that tackle box. Nice tackle box. Yeah, we, we, that's true. We have found that. The, the fishing stuff isn't surprising just because of the nature of what people are doing out there. And wrecks are a tasty place for fish to hang out. You just know that guy was really pissed at loss that lot, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that gear. Yeah, that, that's true. I, I forgot about that. But as far as what I can call traditional trash, and I and I don't know why, is it just the it just doesn't seem to collect there. We we get the golf balls somehow show up, uh, and you always just figure that just golf courses on, on the water or people. On the beach, do some driving into the water, and in in Lake Michigan, at least on our side, the bottom is like sand. It's a sand beach. You get the little ripples like you would see in a river or a creek, and that's what's around the shipwreck. The shipwreck kind of is a sometimes lower than the bottoms. Okay, the next one, another story we have is Kansas catfish noodling season kicks off Friday. Uh, so noodling for catfish this time of year is is upon us. 
Kansas hand fishing season starts off Friday and runs through August 31st. Specified locations in Kansas, which have hand fishing permit costing $27.50. Hand fishing anglers will need both permit and a valid Kansas City fishing license. And only flathead canvas catfish may be caught by hand. Hook, snorkeling, and scuba gear and any man-made device, except for a stringer, are forbidden for the use of hand fishing. So unfortunately, us scuba divers can only watch. We can't partake in the fishing. Is that good? they think that we'd have an unfair advantage? Probably. The daily. Well, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why you need a permit and a fishing license. Seems like one or the other. Because they get to make another twenty-seven fifty. What do you? What don't you understand about that? <laughs> I, I I suppose, but man, that seems well, that, unnecessary. That's, it it does. It it's was it like some sort of strategic advantage. You're gonna you're gonna cram your hand into the bank. A fish is gonna grab it. And that's somehow unfair? That they I always penalized? remember turtles go in head first into the holes, but there's always that dumb turtle, you know, yes. the IQ is less than a rock, who yeah. goes in backwards, and, you know, my hand is not going to fit very well in his mouth. Yeah. That's if when, I can get it all back. That's when you want to uh, attach steel plates to the neoprene gloves. Iron gloves, like the knights wear. Bikes. Get some of those. Yeah. You know, little gauntlets. You could bring with scuba gauntlets. Who who needs dive weights? I'll just have scuba gauntlets. Yeah, but wait till you finish reading some of this. It's like the copperheads. Excuse me, copperheads. <laughs> yeah, the, the the turtles. Okay, so yeah, here here's the here. Give us twenty seven dollars, but you need to to watch out for some of the dangers, which are snakes, snapping turtles, beavers, muskrats, southern states, alligators, all of which ha- inhabit the old catfish holes. In, in 2013, a man in southwestern Oklahoma was bitten by a three-and-a-half-foot cottonmouth while noodling, even though it wasn't supposed to be there. Did somebody tell the cottonmouth? Did he, did it like, was he, like, a, it violated his, uh, his pass? All I know is snakes do bite underwater, and cottonmouth do bite underwater. Yeah. It said venomous snakes can be identified by triangular heads and elliptical cat-like pupils. Here, let me look into your eyes. I'll well, see it's if like poisonous. You, know, you notice that's after the fact because yes. when you bring it out and it's attached to your hand, you know when you're going to look at his eyes and his fang. Well, and what I recommend this is this is actually a tip: is wave your hand wildly to pump that venom through your blood system <laughs> as you screech at the top of the lungs. Ah. Oh goodness. Well, well it's, it's, it's the nice part, though, is it's uh, Kansas reports zero hunting-related fatalities in 2017. Yeah. You notice they don't say nothing about 16, 15, 14. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm thinking, is it still considered noodling? I mean, if I put my foot in the hole and it bites it, is that noodling? It's not your hand. Yeah, I don't know. It's not because you you're know, not you said you stepped in it. You stepped <laughs> in the hole trying to get up. Yeah. It was self-defense. Now, <laughs> is that with shoes on or off? Well, I, I would say I, I, if I was scuba diving, I'd be using the neoprene myself. Yeah, but if you, if you were accidentally noodling with your foot, would the toes be the attractive part? Oh, yeah. I yeah. don't think I'm going to do that either. No. Well, how about this? Be, uh, you never thought that being a CEO of a dive shop could take you to $2 billion in revenue. You I, only hope. Yeah, well, th- this, this gentleman did. Uh, the company is ADS. They said several strategies... Guided growth of the Virginia Beach military contractor ADS from a small diving equipment shop to one of the top 50 government contractors in the United States. 
but two really stick out to CEO Jason Wallace, commitment to employees and a commitment to customers. We'll change the way we do business to take care of our customers, Wallace said. Wallace spoke about the challenges of heading a business with almost 40 years of history during a Hampton Roads Chamber Leadership Series talk on June 12th in Virginia Beach. ADS, which in 2017 earned more than $2 billion in revenue, began in 1979 as Lynn Haven Dive Center. Big Mike Hiller Sr., as Wallace referred to him, started the company as a local dive gear shop and training center. For two decades, many shop customers had ties to the U.S. military. As Wallace tells it, one day, Hiller heard a story from a service member about how he got better diving equipment now than when he was serving. That's wrong, Wallace recalled about the reaction to the news. I want to change that. So the offshoot of Atlantic Diving Supply was founded in 1997 with a focus on serving the needs of government customers, Wallace said. The sole purpose, the Michigan, the focus, uh, mission, and the focus of that business was to give men and women in the military who are divers the best equipment possible right here in Hampton Roads. Today, the company expanded to tactical gear, first responder equipment, robotics, power tools, and other supplies. Wallace joined the company in 2004, said ADS found its way and continued to grow. We're just following our customers, he said. The customer also keeps an eye out for the lives of employees. Wallace said last year ADS paid for 100% of its employees' medical premiums, which is very unusual. The revelation drew gas from several audience members. ADS also offers up to 12 weeks, weeks of military leave and up to six weeks of oh maternity leave and then paternity leave. We should do all these things for our employees, Wallace said. He predicted military technology will continue to be an area of future growth for both ADS and the region. So, see? I'd like to know what he did for $2 billion. Well, there's a big government contract. In fact, I think we had them in a story before, and I, and I, I hate to even say what it was, but it seems like there were some questionable billing practices, which it's not unusual to, over time, be challenged. And I can't remember if it was this company or another one, but... Uh, you know, government contractor, and I, I think, one, you know, it's like a business. Once you get on that approved list and people like dealing with you and they say, hey, I, I also have to buy this. Is there any chance you can get that for me? And if you're listening to their customers, they'll tell you what you want, what they want. Yeah, it looks like a one-stop shopping. I mean, tactical gear, first responder, robotics, power tools. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I like to know how he had that. That's almost like a Lowe's for diving or something. Yeah, you know, kind of the Granger equipment for... Uh, government uh, equipment contracts. Well, good for him. And then uh, guests of the North Aquarium on Roanoke Island can watch in real time as scientists explore unidentified shipwreck 40 miles off Hatteras Island on June 25th. The National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration will conduct a dive with a robotic submersible craft to be launched from the search vessel Okinos Explorer, aquarium officials said in the release. The shipwreck lies in about 1,000 feet of water. How and when it sank is unknown, but records show that several vessels sank in the area during World War II. During an eight-hour dive, the submersible transmit video to the Okamos Explorer, where crew members will look for clues such as damage from artillery and torpedoes. What we're getting is a unique opportunity to witness the uncovering of real maritime mystery. The Aquarium's Associate Director, Alan McDowell, said in a statement, and Noah has graciously allowed us to go along for the ride. The live stream of the exploration will be shown on a movie screen, the Aquarium's Neptune Theater on June 25th from 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Experts will be on hand to answer questions and even communicate directly with the Okinos team. The program will include be included in regular aquarium admission. While it's unknown whether shipwreck to be explored 
sank during World War II. The Battle of the Atlantic pitted Jew, uh, German U-boats against a lot allied merchant ships and the Canadian, British, and American forces that defeated them or defended them. About 3,500 merchant ships went down the Atlantic over the course of the course of the war. 2016, no and its partners explored a German U-boat and a passing freighter. The Nicaraguan flagged SS Bluefields that both went to the bottom off Cape Hatteras after the battle in 1942. The University of North Carolina Coastal Studies Institute was to create a three-dimensional models of the wrecks. That exploration produced the sort of haunting moments that aquarium viewers might be in for on June 25th. It goes from a page in a scientific report down to a very real place, the bottom of the ocean. Dave Alberg, superintendent of the Monitor National Marine Sanctuary in Newport News, Virginia, told the Observer at the time. You know, if that would be something that I might do once, sit in a theater. Um, oh, to watch an initial exploration? Yeah. I just wonder how much of it is really an initial one, because by now you've got to have some kind of side scan and other imaging. Right. So you have a clue if it's a military vessel or, you know, like a freighter or, you know, destroy or something. So you've got some, some idea what it is. Yeah. And they don't, they don't reference that whatsoever. Well, and you don't plan an event like this without having some idea it's going to be something. Uh, I mean, I don't think we could sell tickets to us mowing the lawn. No. Well, I remember whenever they got the safe safe several on the Andradoria, and they opened them uh, online, uh-huh. or uh, not online, but on TV. And, of course, the one was empty. <laughs> <laughs> So a lot of, you know, buildup and um, anticlimactic. But, yeah. you know, did you notice on the first part of this, though, they have the picture of the German U-boat, the 701? Yeah. Now, that's some nice visibility. Yeah, how deep is that? Oh, it sits at 110, 110 feet. feet. That yeah. is beautiful for 110 feet. You could see how somebody could get in trouble real easy. You just forget how deep you are. Yeah, but you can see you that you're not going to penetrate that wreck, and it's all beat to heck. But yeah. look at the sand on the bottom. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that's got to be how much visibility, do you think? Oh, good. 100 feet? It, at least. Yeah, I would say so, depending on the lens. I mean, he, they may have a, a nice wide-angle lens there, and you're actually closer to it than it appears, but, oh. A lot of big fish there, too. Yeah, just a lot of fish in general. There's, I can looking at about 30 just in that frame. It'd be a nice little bounce and get some pictures. I mean, yeah. it's got the can on it and everything. Well, if the if the visibility is that good, you know, if you if you've got a hundred foot vis and it's one hundred and ten feet down, you yeah. can you, know, you, you you drop down on it just to you know you do the deep stuff to uh, you know your limit, and then you just work the tables up and you, know, you can sit on your deco and look at the wreck. So beautiful, yeah. That, that hopefully that turns out for them, um, and that there'll be some video. I wonder if they're going to simulcast that any other places. Uh, didn't, they didn't reference. You would think they would, though. Yeah. For the exposure. Yeah. Or maybe they'll have a, uh, it'll be recorded and they'll play it for a later date. Divers discover the remains mm-hmm. of Britain's richest shipwreck, 110 million in treasure still under the sea. Crap, and I got the, the wrong article again. Now, did you get the one that had I thought I did. 119-year-old shipwreck? New details about this. All of these are underwater pictures, too. World War One submarine? Think you seeing all that? Yeah, I I think I uh, I think I must have opened it and closed that tab. So let me go and view it. And I apologize for the chat room. I have been naughty again and pasting it in there a little too focused. Here's the one that we're talking about now. 
I think most of the people in the chat room are uh, Patreon supporters who are getting the show notes early. So if you want to join them, you know, any amount helps. $3 or more will get you early access to the show notes. So you head on or over to our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. Click on over to the Patreon link and uh, help us out. And I, you know, one thing I've, I've noticed is that our, we've probably doubled in audience size in the last six months. So, you know, thanks. I don't know if it's more people listening. Uh, so we've, we've gone from five listeners to 10. So that's great. I'm getting the same one again. Why am I? Well, this is a little awkward because I'm getting the title of this and it says divers have found 334 year old shipwreck and with 10 million in treasure, the diamond and pearls were never found. <clears throat> then you go and click on the item at the top and the pictures from the historical collections of the Great Lakes Bowling Green. Did I lose you? No, you didn't lose me. I'm just still trying to figure out I'm, why I have a picture of a Great Lakes freighter here. Yeah. I don't know. Every every link I get gets me that same article, which is just, uh, yeah, that's a fail. I mean, if you, if you, do you have anything on that? You can. I'm, I'm trying to run through these half a dozen gizmos out here. Yeah. Yeah, the, the internet's broke now. I mean, of course, we know it's just a phase. But. So somewhere in Great Britain, they found a shipwreck, and it's got some money or something. Crazy. Everything is here except what it's saying. Uh, the, the modern version of clickbait. Well, we'll go ahead and right. s- skip it if you... Uh, I'm going to go one more place real quick and see if I got it. <laughs> I hate to be... You know, it, it, it's lulled me in there or dragged me in. Yeah. Before right, I- now I've got pictures of them. They're videos, yeah. And I'm seeing if it comes back up the right way this time. Nope, came up with the same video from Bowling Green. Yep. So that's crazy. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, let's go to this last article, which I almost put as potentially cool scuba gear. What's that, Mac? Yeah, one second here. I'm. I, I found it. Okay. Uh, basically, what it just says, and there's a couple of pictures. Uh, divers found a 334-year-old shipwreck with 10 million in treasure off the coast of England. Here, a diver swims near the wreckage from the merchant ship President, which sank in 1684 after returning from India. The ship was loaded with diamonds and pearls. It's regarded as Britain's richest shipwreck, according to SWNS. And I don't know what that stands for. Divers first saw fragments 20 years ago. Recent storms shifted the sand and revealed more of the wreckage, specifically 17th century cannons and anchors. The crew survived pirates, and near starvation, only two men survived when a storm sank or sank the ship in 1684. Archaeology divers say that diamonds and pearls were never found, but they're down there someplace. Grab your goggles and start looking. Yeah, I, I remember reading that article, but I can't believe I couldn't find it. Oh, I'm thank- looking at the U.S. Today one. Let me see if it gives more detail. I think that was about as much as I was able to find. Well, they've known about the wreck for 20 years, which surprises me. That somebody has not gone out and looked around a little. Well, maybe that's why they haven't found any pearls. <laughs> I am looking at the at the video. Uh, very nice visibility. Sandy bottom has vegetation, therefore it can't be real deep. I'm um, trying to see if it has any item on the depth. Uh, reported by divers 20 years ago, designated under the Protection Acts of 1973. Mark and I are licensed by Historic England to monitor the wreck, but for years it's been covered by sand. 
Low bar is a dangerous place to dive. The entry and exits are treacherous, even with the smallest of waves. Recent calm period of weather has allowed us to get get in there for the first time in months. I'm looking at it. It doesn't appear to be really deep because uh, you got a huge sand ripples indicating it's susceptible to wave action. Looking up to the left, you can see the sunlight, like, really good. And uh, it looks more like a rubble wreck from the pieces I'm looking at here. So not a whole lot of uh, intact spots. Uh, Let's see, seven cannons anchored the site, only a few meters from the shore and less than seven meters of water. Okay, now they've got some pictures of the cannons. Uh, We were exploring an area where artifacts had never previously been recorded and realized we were looking at new finds. With every storm, the sand shifts to reveal new treasures. It was incredibly exciting to see something nobody had ever seen before. And those cannons are in really, really rough shape. But they are cannons. When you say rough shape, you mean they look like they're corroded pretty bad? Oh, yeah, big time. Big time. And if they're iron, I would expect that. Yeah, I guess just... it said accounts of the voyage, the final voyage, are known in remarkable detail because a pamphlet was published a few months after the wrecking. The title of the pamphlet is A Full Account of the Late Shipwreck of the Ship Called the President, which was cast away in Montezuma, Montezum Bay in Cornwall on the 4th of February last. It was delivered to His Majesty by William Smith and John Hartsville, the only persons that escaped said wreck. It said, the tale goes, the president set off for home. The crew was involved in deadly battles with pirates off the Malabar coast of India. Six pirate ships set upon the merchant ship, but the battle was won when a shot from one of the president's cannons penetrated a pirate magazine sinking the ship. It said, after that, victory was followed by misery, defeat, and weather prohibited, prohibited the crew from landing to restock provisions. For 11 weeks, they went without food and water and in the end resorted to eating the ship's dog, which was described as a delicate banquet. Uh, with the crew in a weakened state, they weren't able to work the ship, and the president was stepped into a storm off the Cornish coast. Ship sank with very rich lading, modestly judged of no less than 100,000 pounds, much treasure of pearl and diamond. Uh, the picture of the sand just uncovering the anchor, steel looks when it gets styrated because it's, Resting up real good. Yeah. Well, that's what this looks like. I mean, the anchor is really in bad shape, and it wouldn't be something you'd even put out for display. (laughs) But you can see that uh, the sand could easily cover it over again. And out in the disc, I see a purple Frisbee. (laughs) (laughs) There's the trash we are talking about. Are the golf ones, you know, the the round one has a hole in the middle? Oh, yeah. That's what it looks like. The disc golf ones. Yeah. But visibility is pretty good. Uh, let's see what else I say here. There, there's just multiple, multiple pictures of the cannons in different configurations. And that's about it. Okay. The pictures are interesting. Lots of sand. If you suck sand, you might find something. Yeah. But if it's that valuable and has that much history, I'm real sorry. And that's shallow. Why don't you work that wreck? I don't know. But maybe it's the protection that they've got on it that's scared to. Well, I meant the archaeological people could do it. It's shallow. It's obviously there. I would mark it off, start sucking sand, and do like you normally do when you're excavating. And people like treasure. You could go and put a display in the museum, put a pan with all the stuff you found in it, and people come and see that. Yeah, you'd look at the cannon, but they're not very impressive. 
It just makes you wonder what's under the sand. Yeah, it's it's still got to be there. Yep, and nice pictures. Well, this last article is uh, talking about something could call it potentially cool scuba gear. There are a few companies developing autonomous cars and flying cars, but there's only one company building an underwater car, which I'm not sure that's true. Uh, the working prototype is in El Dorado County. It's called the Aqua Car. It's made by a company called Subsea Systems in Diamond Springs. Owner Jim Mayfield started the business in 1985, and the company's latest invention is the Aqua Car. We supply marine leisure products for guests visiting tropical resorts, Mayfield said. The Aqua Car is designed for aquarium or theme parks. The Aqua Car is in the final stages of development. The vehicle sits two people in a large crystal clear bowl-shaped dome that sits over the passenger's head and keeps your head and chest dry, which, if you read between the lines, means the rest of you is soaking wet. In order to understand how this works, think of it as a car as an upside-down cup of water. Air is pumped in the bubble so you can breathe, and the bottom half of your body is submerged. Fresh air is released under the track, and that is fed to the riders as they move along the track, Mayfield said. The aqua car has a joystick steering mechanism, but in reality, the vehicle will ride on tracks. The aqua car's top speed is about 80 feet per minute, which is a perfect speed to watch marine life. The aqua car is also eco-friendly. This car runs on bubbles. We coined the phrase bubble energy technology, Mayfield said. Hybrids have nothing on the aqua car. use the same air that riders breathe with. The only thing it's missing is a cup holder. That may be in the design of the next model, Mayfield jokes. Subsea technology makes a number of marine leisure products. Most of theirs notable devices is Sea Trek, an underwater helmet which allows people to breathe and walk underwater without any scuba diving experience. To see Sea Trek allows divers the freedom to walk around, but Mayfield says it is a limited to a number of people who can use it. We built Aqua Car because it increases the volume of people who can use it. It constantly runs like a chairlift. Bashers can get on and off quickly. Mayfield figures with 18 aqua cars, they can ride, uh, they can move about 400 people an hour, which will reduce long lines. If you want to ride in your aqua car, you have to wait about a year until it opens up an amusement park. Now they say air powered. I'm kind of curious if that's literal or they're just joking. I mean, are they driving the uh, wheels with air? You're breathing air as you pedal the car? You have to pedal it. <laughs> Well, as an amusement ride, it seemed like it would just be kind of a chain mechanism you know, that the cars would, be, would all be attached together and pulled through. But then they talk about it being uh, that there's air being injected under the car, and that's what they're breathing. So It's hmm. nothing more than the, the standard wet sub with wheels on it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't say they've really invented anything. And they said that they were the only ones building an underwater aqua car. It seems like there's a few of the... Uh, well, I guess they're when they're cars in the sense that uh, it has I mean, wheels. These have wheels. There's other ones who have been taking like underwater ROVs in car shape, so they they yeah. don't necessarily have wheels, but they're more of an underwater car. But I guess you're just splitting hairs at that point. Well, that does it for scuba in the news. Um, yeah, the weather's been beautiful here. This is if you if you live in Michigan, this is the weather you live for. I think that, you know, the last week of May all the way through the end of June is some of the best weather we have, uh, provided you don't get soggy because of the rain. And, you know, right now we're just, we're at that point where if you had enjoyed it bug-free yesterday, don't count on it today because the mosquitoes are coming out in force. Yeah, I think that's from the flooded farm fields. I think it's from the flooded everything. <laughs> Did you bail your grass yet? 
Yes, I did bale my grass. I got all the way down. I've got about one strip 20 feet wide to finish, and I'll have mowed it all. And I broke a linkage on the on the uh, the front axle that turns on the mower. So now i got to fix that. This this lawnmower is about a 25-year-old old, uh, New Holland, which I didn't realize that they made lawn tractors. But it's a, it's a hardy tractor. I mean, it's the most powerful I think I've had for the size. It just keeps going, but I've been breaking stuff about every other time I used it. Well, you saw I had an ad for anybody wanting some items last week on Facebook. No. I, and I had just finished doing my backyard with uh-huh. my lawnmower, and I'm pushing it back of the driveway, and uh-huh. the freaking hinge frame broke where your, you know, where your push arms come to. Mm-hmm. Just fractured. So it's like absolutely worthless. I mean, from the aspect of mowing the lawn, engine's good, seven horsepower. Yeah, so I had to get a new one, and I've done the law. I've done the yard twice in the last five days. Oh wow! <laughs> so I did get it done tonight. My neighbors, it's like if the neighbor does his, you have to do yours. Otherwise, yours looks really crappy. <laughs> yeah, and actually, driving home tonight, I think it's one of the few times I've seen everybody's lawn all mowed. I mean, from work to home, you know, an odd 15 miles. I, I mean, it was just beautiful. Everything's green. Uh, farmers, some of them are, are being real late getting out into the field. Yep. But, uh, you know, it's beautiful. And with that means if you can get a break in not having to mow your yard twice a week, uh, you should be getting out there and doing some diving, which I, I'm a terrible one to speak because... Everybody in my family's violated my rule of uh, uh, no graduations or marriages in the summer. So I've got a wedding this weekend that will take me out of commission once again for diving. I do not mind graduation parties because I like the food. I you know I work for <laughs> food anyway. Yeah, you know oh, I, 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 I had one Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, would you believe three inches of rain in one hour? Wow! I parked and you know I sort of got a little ditch. And you park across it so you're, you know, you, you step out and you step down in your ditch and you get out and you go over. It was dry, not dry, but it was damp when I got there. And when I got ready to leave less than an hour later, it was up past my ankle, almost halfway in my calf. That's how much rain had accumulated. Oh. But the food was good. Yeah. Well, my, my, uh, my wife was helping. My, my daughter's broke her arm, which she's scheduled yeah. to have surgery here in about a week to to put a plate in. Uh, so my wife was helping her. She's house sitting. You know, of course with a broken arm, you volunteer to do something that's, uh, strain, uh, strenuous. So she's mm-hmm. house sitting for a friend who's got horses and chickens and all that stuff. So my wife was over there giving her a hand and she had a slow leak in the car in the tire. Um, so they're using the air compressor and my wife tells me that, you know, it's, it's not running consistent. It's, it's shutting off. You know, and I'm troubleshooting it as if it's working normally, going, well, you got to try this, you got to try that. So I ended up buying a new compressor and also a new tire. And I I got the old compressor, and when I picked it up and turned it over, water was pouring out of it. Well, I'm like, I'm thinking that might be the reason it was shutting off. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're not waterproof. You know, if it's a downpour out there and you're trying to put air in a tire, uh, you maybe you put a plastic bag over the compressor, something. It's I don't really, know. it's really hard to compress water. Yeah, it's non-compressible. Yeah, it's a little, little tough. So, uh, yeah, we we had that going on. Well, we have had quite a few divers in the water, though. 
Uh, obviously, Kevin's been out there, house of fire. He always is. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Girl Lake, Ross Township. A lot of people have been out there. Uh, visibility is averaging 25, 30 feet. Uh, that must be because the classes haven't got in full swing yet because you don't want to go out there on a weekend when they're there because the visibility ain't going to be there. Not after the students. Uh, let's see. They've been at Coral. They've been at Paw Paw. Uh, Lake 16, of course, has been popular, and I understand that somebody has been doing some maintenance oh. on the submerged platform. I heard uh, one of the boards have been replaced and another drum put under it. Very good. And, of course, our newest club club member, meaning as a diver, is uh, looking forward to getting wetter. She's already been out there quite a bit. Uh, right now, I think the, some people are planning on diving the Rockaway this weekend. I, I saw that there was uh there's some people talking about doing the Rockaway. Uh huh. Yeah, this is perfect. I mean, this is where we we just about everybody who's got a boat is out there on the lake. If if you have weather like we seem to have today, now that we have been having a lot of fog in the mornings. Yeah. But it's supposed to warm up here. We're supposed to start getting into the 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 weather where everybody who complained about it being a cold winter starts complaining about it being a hot summer. Yeah. Uh, that, Amy Amy's uh, the newest diver we have in the club. Yes. And uh, she's been on the Havana already. Uh, I think that was her first shipwreck. And then she's been out at Lake 16 and has some really good video. Uh, Kevin took some nice video out there and got some stills, which are pretty decent. So I'm not sure who's going out this weekend, but it sounds like the big lake. I think Karen was talking about going out too. Since she's in the chat room, she must say something about that. Yeah. So, And if you're getting any diving in, do like what uh... – Derek in the chat room did share us some links. We like to see you got video, you got photos. We like to see what what people are diving. If we, if we can't get in the water ourselves, we'll live vicariously through you. Uh, Mac, you happen to have any safety stories for the week? Yes, I do. I was just going to put a little plug in there mm-hmm. that if you're a public safety diver, you're interested in going to a public safety diver class from Dive Rescue International. Uh, there's going to be one next week, actually June twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth. Uh, at Wolf's, they're going to be uh, presenting that three-day class. So that can be quite interesting if you're a safety diver or intend to be one. Yeah. Or if you want to uh, help and influence young minds who are becoming safety divers, it's always good to be in the class as well. Right. Even though I'm not sure I'm going to get wet, wet this weekend, I'd like to. I was really looking to go to uh, South Haven again and see what they're going to do with the dragon races. And you know you've been to the dragon races before? No, I'm I'm uh, blanking out. I I can't recall what the dragon races are. That is like long paddle boats with dragon heads and as the bow spear. Oh, okay, sure. So it ought to be interesting. It might be a nice photo op. I mean, last month was the mermaids. Yeah, now we got the dragons. Mermaids and dragons, they have, and they have always got something going on at South Haven. A wonderful. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful tourist area uh, if you like the water. Uh, it's it's not a bad port to go out of. Correct. And, there and yes, are... I do have a an item. Let okay. me get that down. Oh, well, let me move my mic over. Da, da, da. Okay. The title of the accident, or the article actually, is Scuba Diver Leaves Buddy to Make Solo Wreck Dive. I mean, to us, it already says, okay, we know what's going to happen. Yeah, here. a little foreshadowing. Yeah. When the ship went down in the storm, it was full of supplies intended for a city on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. 
Over the years, the cargo of boxes and crates had deteriorated, leaving dishes, appliances, and other items strewn across the interior. Fred believed he had finally made it inside of the cargo hold. It was too bad his buddy Willie wasn't with him. Fred had really wanted a picture of himself with the cargo in the background to prove he had made it. The wreck was protected by legislation for, you know, prohibiting salvage, and their crew would never let Fred back on board if he snagged the souvenir. Fred settled for snapping some photos and did his best to get a selfie before deciding to leave the wreck and find his dive buddy. The only problem, though, was Fred wasn't sure how to exit the cargo hull. The diver. Certified open water, nitrox diver, 33 years old. Fred was an average physical health, no known medical problem. He'd been certified for 10 years, but he didn't log his dive, so no one, including Fred, knew exactly how many dives he had made. And now the dive. Fred and Willie were occasional dive buddies. Although they didn't know each other especially well, the pair would often team up when given the chance to go diving. They learned a, about a local dive charger that charter that planned an outing to one of his favorite wrecks. Fred convinced Willie to be his partner. Fred had planned to penetrate the ship's cargo hold and needed a partner. Willie was up for the dive, but less excited about the wreck penetration. He knew he lacked the training and experience to venture inside, and he knew it could be very dangerous. Unfortunately, he didn't communicate this to Fred. Instead, Willie decided he'd make his decision once they reached the wreck. Conditions on the site were typical with water temperatures in the 60s and good visibility. Surface was calm, just a slight current running to, to the south. Both divers using aluminum 80s filled with nitrox 32 for the dive, but they did not have backup supplies of breathing gas. On the bottom at 90 feet, the current disappeared. As Fred and Willie approached the hatch that led to the interior cargo hole, Willie began to have second thoughts about penetrating the wreck. Fred started to swim inside without hesitation, and Willie grabbed Fred's leg and stopped him, signaled that he wasn't going to follow in. Fred was visibly angry and signaled he was going to enter anyway, and on a slate, he would be back in 10 minutes. He turned and swam inside the wreck. Willie waited outside of the wreck, looking around the hull and peering inside porthole. He stayed close to the exit, waiting for Fred to appear, and keeping a close eye on his dive computer and pressure gauge. Ten-minute penetration was still within no decompression limits for the dive, but Fred couldn't be late. Because of the time spent getting to the hatch and commuting that he wasn't going to the wreck, Willie knew that as soon as Fred appeared, they would need to make their way to the surface. Ten-minute deadline came and went, and Fred was nowhere to be seen. Willie waited a few more minutes and realized he was going to have to ascend by himself. He hoped Fred would be right behind him. Throughout his ascent and safety stop, Willie looked behind, hoping to see Fred. He never did. When Willie's head broke the surface, he reported to the boat crew that Fred was not with him. Crew organized a search and found Fred later that day. He was still inside the cargo hold with his tank empty. The analysis. First, the most basic problem in the incident was Fred didn't prepare for the dive. He was so focused on getting inside the wreck and taking his photo, he didn't think about how to do it safely. Divers trained in penetration wreck penetration Understand that after entering the vessel, it's not always easy to find your way out. The amount of light, silt, general disorientation, disorientation can cause confusion during a wreck dive, which can be making it difficult to locate the exit. Trained wreck divers know the best method for navigating out of a wreck is to tie a ship a line to the ship's exterior, play out the reel while swimming inside. Once it's time to exit, diver reels in the line and returns to where he or she came in. Same method is used for diving inside any overhead environment. By keeping a good line connected to the outside of an overhead environment, divers ensure they can find their way back out. Fred either didn't have the training to understand the technique or didn't take the time to do it. Another problem is the dive plan. 
Freddie and Willie didn't agree on the purpose of the dive. Fred planned the dive as a penetration. Willie wasn't convinced it was a good idea and failed to communicate that to Fred. Neither Fred nor Willie was wrong on their approach to the dive, penetrating or finning along the ship's exterior, but the uh, pair should have come to some agreement during the pre-dive planning, but they did not do that. Final mistake was made outside the shipwreck. Even if both divers had agreed to penetrate the shipwreck during the dive as part of their dive plan, Fred should have remained outside the wreck when Willie backed out. There's a credo among technical divers that any diver can call any dive for any reason at any time. When Willie decided not to penetrate the wreck, Fred should have stayed with his buddy outside the wreck or ended the dive, go to the surface, discuss the issue. Penetrating a wreck is dangerous and serious. It should be attempted only by those properly trained and experienced. Fred wanted to penetrate the wreck but didn't take the time to get the necessary equipment or training to prepare for diving in an overhead environment. He and Willie didn't agree on the plan beforehand nor did they agree on a contingency in case there was a problem, and Fred paid the ultimate price. There is nothing, especially not a photo, that is worth dying for under the water. Lessons for life. Equip yourself. Make sure you have the proper training and equipment to make the dive, especially in an environment where a line is needed to secure your exit route. Establish a goal. Dive with buddies who have a similar goal for the dive and agree on that goal and plan before you make your descent. And last. Create a contingency plan or agree on what to do if something goes wrong or if a diver needs to end the dive. Always remember, any diver can call any dive at any time for any reason. And I think we pretty much preach that same motto. Yeah, yeah, we certainly do. And like we do, the guys have actually been talking about these at the club meetings now when we have them. And it's like, you know, we're experienced, but could we do that under some circumstance that we uh, forego common sense or training? and do something that we know we shouldn't do. Yeah, and just because maybe you did something one time and got away with it doesn't mean you should continue to press your luck. Well, it's like last week when we talked about, you know, what, 15, 16 feet of water drown. Yeah. Because they were 30 pounds overweight or whatever. It's like, wait a minute now, we're out in the river grubbing, and if we get snagged in something, are we prepared to get out of that snag? And again, right now with low visibility and fast current, best option is not to dive it, no matter how badly we want to get in the water. Yeah. Another great tip. And as you said, uh, people are trying to get out and do some diving this weekend. Karen has even said that she's looking for a dive buddy. She wants to, uh, she's been out in the Rockway and love to check it out. Well, uh, Karen's got the right idea too. She always likes to go out when there's another boat. Because mm-hmm. two boats make a much safer dive because you have options you don't have otherwise. Yeah. I mean, you come up and somebody's sick, somebody had a problem, you know, what do you do? You got divers in the water, you got somebody sick on the boat, you can't cut the anchor and go to shore. Two boats give you a lot of options. It's really nice to do. And I think most of the time we go out on the deeper wrecks, we always try to have at least two boats. Yeah. It, it, the farther out, I mean, in you know, maybe in the, the coasts or Florida or the Gulf, you don't think that you know five miles out is is much, but for us here in the Great Lakes, I, I don't like going out uh, from shore more than three or four miles without a second boat if we can avoid it. Uh, and I always like having a donkey engine. Yeah, you want to have redundancy. Same way you do in your dive gear, you want to have redundancy in your boat. You know, to me, the ideal is to have. Uh, yeah, I love the dual outboards uh, when you have those. You, you look at that and you. You think that's a little overkill, but you always got one to limp home on. 
Well, it's like whenever I go out with uh, Kevin last year when we were out there looking for that aircraft, uh, he had the main engine, and then he had a smaller engine that we used when we were towing the fish. Yeah. So either way, we could get in. We had steerage, you know, aim for the beach. Storm come up, aim for the beach. Yeah. Because it doesn't, I mean, if you're 10 miles out on Lake Michigan and storm hits, you might as well be, you know, at 100 miles. Yeah, you're not making a lot out there in a heartbeat. Not making a lot of headway. And and it comes up quick. I can remember just growing up on the Great Lakes. uh, You'd be out one minute and you look off in the distance and everything's clear. And it seems like 10, 15 minutes later, you got a storm right on top of you. Yeah. Let's see. Do we have anything that we want to plug before we end this episode? Well, we talked about Wolf's had the uh, rescue diver coming up. We talked about Dragon Boat up in South Haven. Uh, hopefully, the you know the dive will go off on the Rockaway this weekend, which would be nice. Yeah, if Kevin was here, he would say, make sure you stop in and support your libraries. Even though we know we more normally do that more during the winter, when yeah. we can't be really diving a lot, that's when you do your research. Yeah. Well, if say your air conditioning breaks at home, head over to the yeah. library. They usually have pretty nice air conditioning. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's and and I've when you're, doing... I was going to say, as you're mowing the lawn, what's what's better than uh, reading a book? Right. I've been doing a little research on uh, the ship canal. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking for old photos and items and places to dive for some wreck or wreckage. And it is just too bad we cannot get half-decent viz in that river because there are some spots that really beg to be dove. Yeah, I was uh, listening to another podcast, one on uh, put out by NVIDIA on artificial intelligence, and they had one of the researchers was doing penetrative scans of documents so they were taking uh you, you uh, i was gonna say do you remember pompeii when it you know it exploded uh just like <laughs> yesterday yeah it's just uh but there was there was actually a library in a town one over that was also destroyed during that eruption and they have found scrolls that were preserved but they're charred I mean, the, the the scrolls, you look at the scroll, and it looks very brittle, and it would just fall apart if you touched it. And what they're doing is they're scanning these scrolls, and the scanning is so accurate, it's like almost at like the micron level. And at first they scan for the papyrus, and then they scan for the, for the ink, what would be the ink. They can detect molecularly what the ink is that's in these scrolls, and then the artificial intelligence is able to uh, colorize the ink differently than the papyrus, and it can unroll this the scroll that's been uh, rolled up and, and charred, essentially. That's amazing. And I was thinking, we need to do something similar for uh, shipwrecks, sub-bottom profiling. Uh, so you take a, a wreck like Max Wreck, where you know we're, we're trying to get approval and funding to be able to you know, evacuate it to see what's in it. What if you could have something that could send signals, you know, radar, different frequencies in, and then get that back? And then you could say, hey, here's where the hull is, here's what's, you know, the, the material composition. You know, we've got three feet of soil, and then there's, you know, a, a chain, you know, coiled in the bottom. Just, you know, what is in 
the bottom of this wreck or or the bottom. I mean, there's there's got to be uh, wrecks all out there. So I'm I'm hoping that as technology improves, we'll be able to do some additional searching that we haven't been able to, even on items where we know where they are. Because I mean, just take like uh, the Havana or the Rockway. You know, there's got to be other mm-hmm. items there that they're that the, some of them just. They fell off or as the wreck's broken down there in the bottom. It'd be interesting to see where those are or what they are. Well, we know that people have the technology and a lot of equipment that on a sandy bottom in a limited area like we have, if you want to spend the time and the money, you can already. Yeah. And, I, it, you know, you could find so much out there. But, again, if you find rubble wrecks, you're not going to make any money. So well, from I'm, that aspect, you're not going to spend the money if you don't no. have some way to get the money back. No. But we, we've seen what the, just the hummingbirds, what those coming down in cost is done for finding shipwrecks. So we just need some of these other technologies to start, you know, people to make homemade versions of them uh, along with the software and see what we can, we can see. Down the road. That's coming. Yeah. Well, I think we have about exhausted it for this week. Thanks again, everybody in the chat room. Um, so are you ready for that time of the show? Yes, I am. And this Been waiting all week, all week, just for this, uh, I have yeah. to thank, uh, Rod from down under. He sent us another joke. I, th- I think he was feeling bad that some of the quality of the, uh, they weren't up to the bad quality is that you go up or down one way or the other. They just weren't making it. So he, he's saving us and he sent us an, another one. So here we go. The doctor can't find a job in a hospital, so he opens a clinic and puts a sign outside. Get treatments for $20. If not cured, get back 100 A lawyer thinks this is a great opportunity to earn 100 bucks and goes to the clinic. The lawyer says, I've lost my sense of taste. Doc says, uh, nurse, bring medicine from box number 22 and put three drops in the patient's mouth. The lawyer, Ugh, this is tastes like kerosene. The doc says, your sense of taste is restored. Give me $20. The annoyed lawyer goes back and a few days later to recover his money. Uh, He comes in and says, uh, I've lost my memory. I can't remember anything. Nurse brings medicine from box number 22, puts three drops in his mouth. The lawyer annoyed says, ah, this is kerosene. You gave it to me last time for restoring my taste. The doctor says, you got your memory back. Give me 20 bucks. (laughs) The lawyer's now fuming. He pays him and then comes back in a week. He's determined to get back $100. The lawyer says, my eyesight has become very weak. I can't see at all. Oh, well, I don't have any medicine for that, so here, take this $100. The lawyer starts staring at the note. But this is $20, not 100 Your eyesight is restored. Give me 20 bucks. I, I hear crickets. Does he keep coming back? <laughs> I guess he, he, he maybe. I don't know. All I know is I don't think I'm going to hire that lawyer, but the doctor's pretty good. Yeah. Can you, will the doctor represent you in a court case? <laughs> so thank you, Rod. And until next week, go out there and get wet. And be safe.